Deep breaths, deep breaths, deep breaths. Here we go. Episode 25. Thank you for dialing in. Thank you for being here. Can't believe we're on episode 25. We're a quarter of the way to 100. Quarter of a way to 100. 25 is a some kind of milestone, right? 25 feels good. I feel good about about the 25th episode. Like I don't I haven't really created a format for this thing. I've got a couple sections, a couple segments, but I'm just free-forming this whole experience. It's been very therapeutic so far, and it's been very um, creatively rewarding, and I feel like, or at least I hope, that this thing has been entertaining for all of you to listen to and absorb. (laughs) Episode 25. I'm your host, Stephen, a.k.a. Mount Analog, if this is your first time. Hello, if this is your 25th, welcome back. I've been working on today's episode for way too long, because I am not a writer. I have written things in the past, um, and I love to write, but I'm not, like, I don't have a streamlined process. I don't know if any writer does. I don't know if any creator does. Uh, you develop tools and techniques along the way that help guide the process and help help get the idea from your brain into onto the paper or into the song or into the painting. If you want a table or if you want a desk, like a piece of furniture, there's a way, there's a method on how to do that. There is a course of action and a series of steps that you follow. And you can get artistic with that and, and put your own spin on things. Like, I'm not saying furniture making can't be an art. It absolutely can. But I think with things like writing a song or writing a, a story or a script or a screenplay or whatever, what you want when you are looking for those things is you want to experience someone's artistic journey. There aren't a series, there isn't uh, just a a rigid guideline of like, this is how this thing works. This is how you put this together. And when you consume or absorb more creative endeavors, that's what you're there for. You're there for the, for the artist's journey. And that's not to say there aren't guidelines on, on the creative process. There are countless techniques when it comes to writing or painting or making music or, or, or anything. You can always learn more ways to do the thing. There are infinite, infinite tools at our disposal, and we have all of this access to people who have done the thing before that are making tutorials and showing us how to do X, Y, or Z. But when it comes to the creative process, you're there for the journey. You're there to see how the creator got from point A to point B, and you're there to experience that thing. And you're also there to be entertained, or you're there to be captivated or enthralled, or, or, or you're, you're there because you want to feel some type of way. Art is really cool like that. It has so many angles, so many intentions, and so many forms that it comes in. It's a really wild thing. And that's um, kind of like, that's kind of why I did what I did for today's episode. So I've, I've, dived into music i've dived into visual art i've dived into a plethora of artistic things and i wanted to try to complete 
a short story. Writing has been something that's been on the on the back burner for me for for a long time and now that I've kind of gotten my feet wet with starting to write this sci-fi space book that I've been writing <laughs> uh I wanted to I I need to I need to I need to kind of like flex those creative muscles more frequently and I find myself writing these little stories and and taking notes on on what works and what doesn't and where my mind goes when I try to um, try to like write down these concepts and these big ideas. And like with any creative endeavor, I, I subscribe personally after years of creating things and reading about the creative process and being fully uh, engulfed or being fully uh, just in a mode of creation for pretty for basically my whole life uh what what works and what will make you happy as an artist or I guess I don't even want to say what will make you happy what makes me happy as an artist and what I've found through my years of the creative process is that you what you want to do with any creative effort is just keep creating you just make bad stuff you make good stuff. You make stuff that you don't like, but other people like. You make stuff that other people hate, but you love. And you just keep making things. And through this process of exercising those creative muscles and creating over and over and over again, you will become more proficient at the thing that you're trying to do. And you will become happier with your creations. And this story that I wrote today is a it's a piece of that. I wrote it to be entertaining to y'all and I wrote it to be fun and kind of silly and it's definitely a node and it's a stepping stone on this creative journey of mine. I'm still at the beginning of the writing journey, so so I still have a lot to learn. And since it's close to Halloween, I wanted to write something that was kind of creepy and kind of whimsical and dark. And I wrote this story in the style of noir. Like, think like Dick Tracy or like old pulp books or old like pulpy movies like detective style um it was a rainy night and she walked into my office and I took a long drag off my cigarette you know like out of all the bars in this town she had to walk into mine I wrote it I wrote it in this style I wrote it in this like almost bombastic cartoony way because I wanted to give myself those creative liberties. I wanted to be able to keep writing the story and not have to dwell too much on is this corny? Is this silly? Is this goofy? Because I wanted the I wanted it to just flow because this is a creative exercise for me and I wanted to try and make something that was entertaining for you. And I thought framing it in that way would be able to uh I thought framing it in, in that way would help me be able to create something that was just a little more pure or a little more organic. 
All right, so I've been I've been yammering on for like almost 10 minutes. Let's just get into the story and you can judge for yourself whether or not you like it or whether or not you're entertained. I can only give you so much of what my intentions are before it's just left open to your interpretation. So without further ado, this is one of my first fully finished short stories and it's called Séance. Zines were all the rage back then. Little DIY booklets of what was going on in your town. You could flip through the pages and see what bands were playing where, and what was happening in your scene. Art shows, potlucks, protests, and local news. Which record stores were good and which uppity businesses to avoid. This was Chicago in the 80s, and if you knew where to look, you were never bored. Vicky had just moved into her one-bedroom apartment on the east side, She eventually became numb to the water-stained ceilings and musky hallways. The occasional gunshot down the block and arguments through the thin walls were an ambiance she grew to expect, and in an odd way, enjoy. Not wholly enjoy, but she felt like this atmosphere, this environment, was where punks lived. This sort of environment was the environment punks thrived in, wasn't it? She wasn't really sure. This city was so different. And where she had come from. Her parents weren't thrilled that she'd decided to take the money they'd been saving and move to Chicago to find herself, but they'd always said that once she moved out, the money was hers, college or not. She moved to Chicago a year and a half ago, the suburbs, a nicer one-bedroom apartment that her parents could live with. If they'd seen her new place, they'd be terrified. But this is the aesthetic she'd been obsessed with since she was 16. Denim-studded jackets, mohawks, a loud sense of style, and even louder music. This city was where she wanted to be, and the deeper she got into it, the more she felt like she was a part of something larger than herself. A movement. A real grassroots counterculture. Something that didn't align itself with the norms of society. Something that allowed her to truly express herself and be respected for who she truly was. Sure, this movement looked rough around the edges, but behind the spiked hair, bullet belts, and distorted guitars, these people stood for something. They were open about who they were, and they weren't afraid to express the raw parts of themselves. Something Vicky saw little of back home. Proms, pep rallies, and sitcom sensibilities just weren't her scene. She wanted to push back against the oppressors, to scream at the top of her lungs against authority, and she found her scene. She found her people. There was this joint called Fizzles, where Vicky spent most of her time. It was a ways from her new apartment, but it's where she kind of worked. She liked the atmosphere. She appreciated the realness of the people who hung out there, and the beer and food were almost free. Beyond that, they had the best bands the Chicago punk scene had to offer. Even when she wasn't there for music, she'd hang out there during the day, talking with the other punks about throwing the next show or organizing the next zine. Fizzles made a little bit of money off the shows, and if you were at a Fizzle show, you were reading the zines. Vicky was in charge of that end of things, the shows, and the zines, a position she sort of just fell into. It didn't pay much, but if her math was right, she could coast off her college money for at least another six to eight months, during which time she fully intended to make Fizzles her focus. And who knows, maybe she'd be able to swing a living off this eventually. She doubted it, but... It wasn't about the money for her. She'd figure that out later. 
Part of making Fizzles her focus was staying organized, along with her patched denim vest and torn jeans that were more patches than jeans themselves. Vicky carried a backpack. Yes, that too was also covered in patches and studs. Inside, she'd always have a notebook or two, ready to take notes on anything that was coming up or seemed interesting. She'd also kept a small pistol in there. She'd never had to actually use it, but she did have to pull it out once or twice. Of course, she'd write about bands that were stopping at Fizzles, but she would also take notes on what record stores planned to have the new Dead Kennedys album, where the coolest house shows were happening, She'd find artists and illustrators that wanted to get their political cartoons published. Or she'd find people that made abstract, avant-garde pictures, collages, poems, and everything else to go inside. Along with art, music news, and Fizzle's promo, she'd put in stories people had to tell about living in the city, their experiences with music, subways, crime, and the cops. With getting this deep into the scene, booking bands came naturally to her. She was already taking the deepest dive she could into this stuff, and bands were almost throwing themselves at the opportunity to play at Fizzles. This still didn't stop Vicky from doing a little sifting. She didn't want just anyone to play at Fizzles. She'd need to read some of your lyrics first to make sure you actually had something important to say. She wanted this scene to grow and expand in the right ways. No band made it into Fizzles without making it through Vicky. Vicky was respected, and people listened when she spoke. One night after Vicky had spent the day in the back of Fizzles working on their zine, running their printer to nearly catching on fire, she decided to check out a new spot that had just opened across town called Seance. It opened up a few weeks ago, and already people were talking about it like it was a pillar of the community. Vicky hadn't heard of a place opening up this fast and getting this much of a buzz, so naturally, she had to check it out. From Fizzles, Seance would take her four stops on the orange line. It was raining out, but luckily, the station wasn't far. After making sure the printer wasn't actually going to burn the place down, Vicky shuffled a pile of loose papers together, jammed them into her backpack, and sat down to tighten the laces on her boots before the trip. Just as she bent to secure the laces of her first boot, the door that connected the back room to the main room of Fizzles swung open. What are you getting into tonight, Vic? Vicky didn't need to look up to know who was talking. She recognized that raspy voice anywhere. Mickey. Mickey put her hand on her hip, raised an eyebrow, and leaned in playfully. Or are you going to call it early? Again. Vicky's eyes shot up from her boots and she smiled. Mickey grew up in Chicago, and Vicky respected that. When Vicky first moved here in the first place, before her new apartment, Mickey showed her the ropes. Mickey was the real deal. Not a transplant, as she affectionately referred to Vicky as, from time to time. Mickey had a hard exterior, but deep down, she was as nice as they come. She had to have a hard exterior. She'd been through things, and probably only shared a fraction of those stories with Vicky. Vicky brushed off Mickey's coy taunt. I was gonna go check out the spot. Seance. You heard of it? Mickey's expression shifted from playful to serious. I've been there all right. Went there last week. Vicky looked puzzled. Oh, why didn't you mention it? Mickey rolled her eyes. Everyone in this damn town is talking about that spot. Everyone in this damn town is talking about that spot. If I hear one more word about that spot, I'm going to puke. And not just like a small puke, but one of those late night too many slices and brews that fizzles pukes. Plus, I don't know what all the excitement's about anyway. Sure, it was alright, but honestly it kind of creeped me out. 
It felt too high class for my taste. Like an uptown club trying to get goody-goody with what we got going on down here. Vicky cut in sarcastically. Not every place can have the charm of fizzles. But really, this place is raw and real. The furniture's been here since before they opened, and people are practically squatting in the back rooms. The scene grows here. This is more than a venue. It's a cultural phenomenon. And I think you've just been spoiled by this place, Mick. Mickey closed her eyes and took a deep breath. It's not that. I felt something there. Like, something weird. And you know me, I don't get weirded out easy. I can't completely explain it, like the people there were off or something. I guess they wanted to be there, but it also felt like they couldn't leave or something. I mean, obviously they could, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Vicky squinted her eyes and replied slowly, Not really. And honestly, you're making me want to check it out even more. Are you done out there getting those prints from Mr. Artist Gaga for Mickey Googly Eyes? Mickey's cheeks flushed and she smiled. I thought he was cute, and his art was all right too. Meet you out back? Mickey rolled her eyes and made her torso go limp. I guess, she replied. The metal awning on the back patio of Fizzles kept Vicky dry as she waited for Mickey. The ting of the rain was refreshing after a full day of loud, hardcore music and yelling inside. She loved it, but it was a nice change of pace. A Tuesday at Fizzles wasn't anything compared to a weekend, but it could still be a lot when you're hunched over a table editing a zine for unknown hours. Vicky wondered what was taking Mickey so long. She didn't have to close the place down tonight, and she had already wrapped things up with her artist friend. The rain picked up a bit, and the sound on the metal awning became a wall of white noise. The alley was cleaner than you'd expect. There were still dumpsters and trash, but way cleaner than you'd expect things to be out back of a crusty punk club. That was just it, though. Vicky thought, these punks cared about this place. Things would get rowdy and sometimes bottles would get broken and chairs might get smashed, but once all the dust settled, this place was like their home. They always cleaned up things and treated it with respect, and for the most part, they treated each other with respect. Vicky lit up a cigarette, took a long drag, and blew it out. The rain was letting up, and the moon was peeking through the clouds. Are you ready to go or what? Mickey had changed her entire outfit and redone her hair. With a taunting, wide-eyed amusement, Vicky laughed. Oh, I see what's going on. Mr. Artist Friend is going to be at seance tonight. Since when did you give a damn about your outfit or who saw you in what? Mickey shook her head and squinted her eyes. Frowning, she said, I've been wearing that for two days, and I needed to get something on that looked a little different from yours. You're real good at stealing my style, you know. I don't want to show up looking like twinsies. They did look similar. Taller, multicolored hair with brown roots, dark eyes and longer proportions. The studded leather jackets and torn jeans did make them look even more alike. Vicky smirked and said, Probably for the best you changed. I pulled this off just a bit better than you did. She stuck her tongue out, and Mickey responded with a middle finger. Vicky took another pull from her cigarette. You got another one of those? Mickey asked. Vicky tapped the pack against her waist, pulled the extended cigarette, and gave it to Mickey. They locked arms and began to walk down the alley towards the station. The rain had stopped now. The air felt dense, and a bit of fog was starting to accumulate as they walked. Towards the end of the alley, Mickey turned and got a better look at some graffiti on the brick wall. Hey, check it out, a new tag. 
Vicky turned to see and realized this wasn't just some tag or graffiti piece. This was a decent-sized mural that sprawled from the base of the wall all the way up to the fifth or sixth fire escape. Her eyes widened as she realized the scope of the piece. I've been here all week. Out front, out back. I didn't see anyone painting this. I would have seen this. It was for the most part dark out, and the only light that illuminated the piece were a few beams from the street at the end of the alley. Vicky swung her backpack from behind her shoulder and shuffled through it to get her flashlight. The switch wouldn't activate it, so she banged on it once or twice with the palm of her hand until it flickered and came on. She pointed it at the bottom of the piece and slowly worked her way up. As she moved the light from the bottom of the mural to the top, their faces changed from amused excitement to sheer bewilderment. What they saw was an abstract image of grotesque nature. Parts of it made sense to them. Hooded figures surrounding a fire, hands raised to the sky, the sky full of vibrant swirls of dripping blood and fluid, dismembered heads and limbs floating above them. The ground around the fire was covered with decaying bodies, some of which appeared to be wearing cop uniforms. Vultures picked at them. In the heart of the fire was a smiling face, the young face of a man who looked pleased. His gaze seemed to peer into their souls. Raining from the swirling mass of limbs and heads that was the sky were what appeared to be some sort of runes or letters from an ancient language, and as Vicky shined her light on them, they seemed to illuminate and glow in an odd way. In a way where the paint looked luminescent, or like there was actually some kind of light within them. There were also creatures to the sides of the hooded figures, human-animal hybrids, some with human heads, some with heads of dogs, cats, birds, goats. Some of them had human bodies, while others had bodies that were animal in nature, horse, goat, reptile. This was a dense mural, and the more they looked at it, the more details seemed to stand out. What. The. Fuck. Mickey said with a genuine sense of unease in her voice. Where did this come from? This would have taken a team, days to make, and I didn't see no artists out here on my smoke breaks. This didn't just pop up overnight. Vicky's eyes were still fixed on the piece. I've got to get some pictures of this in the morning for the zine, she said with a sense of unease. She stared at the strange text. It really seemed to glow now, and in the dim light of the alley, it looked like it was actually falling from the sky of the mural, like it was moving. What do you think it means? All those symbols, asked Mickey. Vicky took a moment to reply. I, I have no idea. It feels wrong, though. Whoever made this, beyond being an amazing artist, they're into some fucked up stuff. I mean, it's cool, but goddamn. I've been at Fizzles most of the week, too, and didn't see anyone coming or going with gear to do anything like this. That's the weirdest part. And why do something this elaborate out back of Fizz? These dudes are pros. Maybe just practicing in some place no one would see them, you know? Free canvas in a low-key alley? She clicked her flashlight off and turned to Mickey. Let's get going. We can talk about this on the way. The ride to the neighborhood seance was in felt quicker than it was. They both couldn't stop talking about what they had just seen. And the few people that rode the L with them gave them odd side glances when they brought up the more grotesque details of the mural. 
The night had become a bit more foggy, and rain caused the brakes on the train to squeak and hiss as it came to their stop. The door slid open and a waft of gasoline, exhaust, and wet trash flooded their noses. Mickey, with disgust, exclaimed, Phew! This stop's gone rotten. Let's hurry up to the next block before I throw up. They hurried up the block, passing businesses that were either boarded up, about to close, or behind unrolled metal gates. This wasn't the worst neighborhood, but it certainly wasn't the best. Fog rose up from the manholes and mingled with the natural fog that seemed to be increasing as they walked. This part of the town was oddly quiet, and other than a few bodegas and bars sprinkled along the way, things were calm in an eerie way. With a pensive tone in her voice, Vicky asked, Are you sure you know how to get to Seance? I'm pretty sure I've been to this part of town, and it didn't really seem like it fit the bill for a place like that. You said it was hoity-toity, and this really ain't that type of neighborhood. Mickey looked around and tried to get her bearings. It all seemed different than she remembered. They should have been there by now. You got any change? They both turned to see a hunched older man with a styrofoam cup behind them. He was dressed oddly, in torn, tattered, and stained fabric that hung loosely from his thin frame. He had a long beard and a face scarred with pits and pox. One of his eyes looked white and cloudy, as if it had a cataract. The other was green and shined brightly in the gleam of the streetlights. The hands that wrapped her on the cup were bony and veiny, and his nails were long and pointed. After they turned and spent some time taking in the oddness of the man, Vicky replied, Uh, do you always creep up on women in the middle of the night like that? I got some change for you, but maybe a little more if you could show us where Seance might be. The man stared at them for a moment. Seance? He asked in a raspy whisper. Why would you want to go there? Mickey butted in. Look, man, we'll give you some change, but that's kind of our business, all right? Mickey had been through things. She didn't much like sharing her business with strangers, especially strange men in the middle of the night. The old man's eyes widened. I meant nothing by it. It's just that seance is an odd place. Mickey's eyes shot over to Vicky. See, I told you it's not just me. That place is weird. Even this dude knows it. Vicky looked back to the man and said, So I've heard. What makes it so weird? The old man removed a hand from his cup and began to stroke his beard. He looked off beyond them and cleared his throat. It's unnatural. I've seen places in this neighborhood come and go, open and close, build and die. But something is off about this place. It seems to have popped up overnight, a building that was never built. The people who go don't seem to be the same when they come out. Mickey jumped in. We went there, and I'm fine. The man snapped back. Are you? Do you remember leaving who you left with? Why you came in the first place? What does it look like on the inside? Do you remember? Mickey stared at him for a moment, confused. Sure, I remember, she said. I remember going there with Tommy, and I remember it was, uh, weird. And there was a, there was a band, I think. And, uh, she trailed off blankly, trying to recall any details of that night. You see, said the man. Mickey rolled her eyes and looked over to Vicky. Look, maybe I had more drinks that night than I thought. Wouldn't be the first time. She looked back to the man. If we throw in a couple of bucks, can you get us there? I suppose, he replied with a cautious undertone in his voice. He turned and began walking in the opposite direction, faster than either of them would have thought a man of his age and health could have. Mickey yelled after him. That's the wrong way. 
He stopped and turned back. Oh, well, if you know where you're going, I'll just be on my way then. He continued to walk. Vicky leaned in close to Mickey and whispered, Don't worry, if this guy tries anything, I've got some backup right here for us. She patted her backpack. Mickey nodded. The old man walked with a briskness and a haste that they found hard to keep up with. He would cross the streets and turn corners without even bothering to look back. The further they went, the more dense the buildings seemed to become, the more narrow the streets seemed to feel. Buildings felt like they were getting taller and more jammed together. Roads felt like they were getting smaller, and the distance from one sidewalk to the other started to feel like just a few feet. An uneasy feeling of claustrophobia settled in. Eventually, the old man stopped at the opening of a dark alley. Vicky and Mickey caught up to him without turning his back. He said in a flat tone, We're here. They walked past the man and took a few steps into the alley. It seemed to go on forever, into pitch blackness. There were no lights in the alley, and streetlight only illuminated a few feet beyond the sidewalk into the darkness. It looked like a tunnel leading to nothingness. We are absolutely not going in there, Mickey said, with a sharp caution in her voice. They both turned around to talk to the man, but he was gone. Just a swirl of fog where he stood moments ago. On the ground where he stood was a glass bottle with a cork in it, about the size of a beer bottle. Within the bottle, there was a strange green liquid. Vicky bent down to pick it up. She held it in the streetlight to see if she could figure out what was inside. As she lifted it to the light, it seemed to glow and shimmer. The fluid was hypnotic, and she didn't know why, but she felt compelled to put it in her backpack. They looked at each other, shocked. From the depths of the dark alley, a faint trail of music could be heard. They turned back to the alley slowly to listen, and then to each other. Vicky raised an eyebrow. She shook her head and almost yelling said, Nope, I'm out. This is classic getting murdered in an alley 101. Mickey looked back to the dark alley, and then back to Vicky. She stared at her for a moment, tilted her head sideways, and then with an expressionless tone said, I gotta check it out. She bolted into the darkness of the alley, leaving Vicky standing there alone. Mickey, no! She screamed into the darkness. Vicky swung her backpack to the ground, unzipped it, and found her flashlight. Still kneeling, she clicked the switch and aimed it into the darkness. It flickered on, landing on Mickey's wide-eyed, smiling face. Come on! She whispered and backed slowly into the darkness beyond the reach of the flashlight's beam. Vicky was frozen. She didn't know what to do. This wasn't like Mick. Mickey was cautious and far less thoughtless. Did she not just see the weird old man dematerialize before our eyes? She thought. She zipped up her bag and then got to her feet, and then slung her bag over just one shoulder, in case she had to reach for her pistol. She didn't want to go. Everything in her was telling her not to, save going after her friend. The first step into the darkness made her shiver. It was oddly cold, and the fog was so dense. Is that what's making it feel so dark, she wondered? The beam of her light only went a few feet in front of her. The fact that she was in the middle of the city and had to use a flashlight to see even the faintest glimpse of the ground in front of her was so unsettling. The wall of fog and darkness was otherworldly. The deeper she went, the louder the music became. It sounded like music she was somewhat familiar with. Distorted guitars and vocals screamed loud over the mic, but she couldn't make out any of the words. 
Was it a foreign band? She kept moving, and through the dense fog, a purple light began to take shape. Even though the fog obstructed her entire field of vision, she could tell that the alley was opening up. The purple light became brighter, and it looked like it was potentially wiggling or dancing like a flame. Vicky moved through the alley at a snail's pace, cautiously. Mickey, she yelled out. I don't think this is funny and I'm creeped the fuck out. She moved closer to the purple light. After some time moving through the darkness and fog, it became less dense and she could start to see the faint outlines of her surroundings. Eventually, she was able to make out what she thought was a brick wall in front of her. The purple light was brighter now and illuminated the clearing in front of her. It was indeed a flame, a purple flame that hung above a red door. The door bore the markings of a strange golden symbol. It was kind of an S, but looked more like a partial M turned on its side with three dots at the base and left of it. Vicky looked back up to the flame. Purple. How? She thought. She chalked it up to clever lighting. Maybe black lights or some kind of special powder you put in the fire. It was captivating. She lost herself in it for a moment. The flickers reflected on her face and gleamed in her eyes. It was beautiful to her. The music suddenly got strikingly louder. Her gaze was pulled from the flame down to the door, which was now ajar. Purple light spilled out, along with the now even louder sound of the distorted music inside. Vicky reached out and pushed the door the rest of the way open. It was heavier than she expected and seemed to be made out of thick, sturdy wood. It was also surrounded by an intricately carved pattern of small, golden symbols, some of which looked strikingly similar to the symbols on the mural she and Mickey had passed earlier. She stepped in. Certainly Mickey had come inside. As the door swung open, the thick scent of earthly herbs and incense came to her nose. What she noticed first were the walls. This place looked like some kind of old theater and had protruding sculptures of all different kinds all over the walls. The architecture and decor were more ornate than any other place she had ever seen in this town. And it was clean. Crushed leather couches along the perimeter of the stage area and crystal chandeliers hung from above and purple curtains hung all throughout. Candles lit everything. The only electricity in the place seemed to be powering the instruments on the stage. It was huge. There isn't a cover here? She thought. How could anyone afford to run this place without charging a cover? In stark contrast to the rest of the place, the stage looked as though it was decorated with bones. Animal bones. Some hanging from the ceiling by ropes and some built into odd sculptures. All of the amps and even the drum kit was surrounded by bones. Purple flames had been lit on the left and right and center of the stage, larger versions of the one by the door. About a hundred people stood in front of the stage in tight rows, looking almost like a military unit, swaying back and forth, singing with the music, all of them punks. Denim, mohawks, patches, that's the only way you would have really guessed. This wasn't what punks did at a show. No one was dancing or moshing or running around shoving people. This felt so unnatural to Vicky. The guitar and bass players wore denim cloaks, covered in patches that hung open and down to their calves. The drummer, shirtless and covered in tattoos, had a bright green mohawk. 
The singer had animal print shoes and had piercings that were linked by chains. From ear to torso, or eyebrow to lip, he also had spiked purple and green hair and a nose ring like a bowl hanging down almost to his lips. He had a cape that was covered in studs and spikes, and his shirt and pants were tattered black, almost rags, that hung about him. He moved his head from side to side, looking through the crowd at the audience, bouncing to the music. Vicky felt a genuine sense of unease from his menacing smile. His vocals were almost a chant. They fit the rhythm of the music, but didn't seem to be saying anything she could make out. Still, could just be a foreign band. The way the crowd stood and swayed was the strangest part to her. Maybe the singer told them to do that before the song started, and I just missed that, she thought. Even still, very few people were just hanging out. Almost no one was at the bar. No one was even drinking or smoking. Was she missing something? Was this some kind of elaborate prank? Vicky started looking around for Mickey. Her first thought was to look through the crowd. She walked slowly down to where the audience was swaying, ascending a small staircase that separated the perimeter lounge area from the lower floor. She started to walk through the gaps of people, slowly. People would brush up against her as they swayed, but no one seemed to notice her presence. As she got closer to the stage, the music seemed deafening and different now. The melodies all seemed to blur, and the chanting was calling to her. She felt an urge to be one with it an urge to begin chanting herself. As she moved up the ranks and closer to the stage, she looked up to the singer. His eyes were on her, staring directly at her, beckoning her forward. She didn't blink, just stared back into his eyes, smiling as he chanted. Vicky was losing herself in his eyes. Her peripheries were closing in on her, and there seemed to be a tunnel that existed now between her eyes and his. Things were going black, and her field of vision was reducing to just those dark black eyes. She knew this face, those eyes. This was the face from the mural behind Fizzles. Just then she noticed behind the singer, to the left of the drummer, sitting in front of the long purple curtain that was the stage backdrop, was Mickey. Vicky snapped out of her trance, shook her head quickly, and was able to avert her gaze from those hypnotic eyes. Mickey! She cried out. Mickey either didn't care or didn't hear her. Vicky ran to the front of the stage, in the crowd, and can now see that Mickey's hands were bound behind her as she sat on her knees. Mickey! Mickey! She cried again. Still, Mickey sat motionless, staring forward, blankly. The chanting stopped. The music stopped. The singer of the band let out a blood-curdling scream. It didn't sound human. There were harmonics to it that sounded like multiple voices were screaming in unison, high and low. It ended, and the purple flames that lined the stage quickly and seamlessly changed from purple to red, an unearthly red that appeared almost neon or electric. We can begin, the singer shouted with a raspy crackle. The swaying crowd had gone still, and were now blank and more emotionless than before. The singer, along with the rest of the band, seemed now to be completely ignoring Vicky. He shouted, Bring the blood as we claim our sacrifice for eternal life. Vicky's eyes widened at this. What was this, she thought. Blood sacrifice? 
The bass player reached behind him and grabbed Mickey by the hair. As he started to pull her to the front of the stage next to the singer, Vicky began to climb onto the stage. The singer's eyes shot down to her. He noticed, and his wicked smile changed sharply to a furled nose grimace as he kicked Vicky in the jaw with his animal print boot. Vicky went flying off the stage back to the crowd and fell on the floor. She was seized by one of the punks in the front row who held her up by her shoulders. She was dazed. Blood dripped from her busted lip, and a bruise started to form on the side of her face. She coughed and spat blood onto the floor in front of her, along with one of her teeth. The singer screamed out, That one will be next to ensure the bond of blood pleases the ancient ones. The crowd yelled out in unison to this, one short chant. Ah! This roused Vicky. She was dazed, but not down for the count quite yet. As the bass player released Mickey's hair and flung her to the ground in front of the singer, he began to pull a blade from a sheath he had on his belt. It was a long dagger with a cloth-bound hilt. The blade glistened in the red light, almost making it appear to glow. It had a carved edge and was just shy of being a small sword. With one hand, he held the blade, and with the other, he reached down to grab Mickey's hand. Vicky squirmed, but her captor held her tightly, and she couldn't escape. Mickey, wake the fuck up! She screamed. The singer, now crouching with Mickey's hand, looked over to Vicky and stared. No smile, no scowl, just blank now, eyes wide. Vicky cried out again, You better not, you son of a bitch! The singer, still staring at Vicky, with inhuman speed, bit off Mickey's index finger. He quickly smiled playfully at Vicky as blood spilled out onto the stage. Horrified, Mickey screamed, No! You bastard! The singer began to laugh, and the crowd began to chant again, Ah! Ooh! Ah! Ooh! Ah! Vicky started elbowing and kicking at her captor, but another tranced punk stepped in to help secure her where she stood. It was the artist from before, back at Fizzles, the one that was sweet on Mickey. The chanting crowd grew louder, and the singer pulled Mickey to her knees. I swear to God I'll kill you, Vicky screamed. The singer crouched behind Mickey now, and pulled her head back by the hair, dagger in hand. The oath must be fulfilled, he shrieked in his otherworldly multi-toned voice. Vicky had to do something. She felt so helpless. But that wasn't her. She wasn't helpless. She was a punk badass. And this lunatic had to be stopped. She threw her head backwards, straight into the nose of her captor. An audible crack could be heard, and she felt his warm blood on her neck. He fell backwards, pulling her with him. As they fell, her second captor fell on top of her. She was able to jam her knee straight into his groin with all her strength. And not knowing what else to do, she bit the side of his face right on the cheek. More warm blood. She threw him aside and rushed to the stage, face covered in blood, some of it hers, some of it theirs. The singer looked up and scowled as he saw her approach. Stop her! He shouted to the crowd. Some of the zombified punks stirred and began to come for her. They almost caught her by the boots as she scrambled onto the stage. The singer dropped Mickey and was now standing face to face with Vicky. Vicky didn't know what to do. She and the singer stared at one another for a moment. She was breathing heavily, and now that she was on the stage, she could smell a putrid stench that she hadn't noticed before from the floor. 
his eyes wide, and in a flat tone, the singer said, So you'll be first, then. Suddenly, he was behind her, pulling her hair with his dagger to her throat. Let my friend go, and you can have me, Vicky said between her teeth as she struggled against his pull. You're already ours, the singer whispered in her ear as he raised the dagger into the air. But before he could plunge it into her, the red flames on the stage suddenly changed to a bright burning white light. All the bandmates hissed and made disgusting guttural sounds. Feedback poured from their amplifiers, and the hi-hats on the drum set began to shimmer from the low rumble that had now overtaken the building. You! The singer cried out. He screamed, and it echoed through the venue, and it rose to become a cacophony of sound along with the amps and drums and rumbles. The once still sculpted pieces jutting from the walls appeared to move now, twisting and moving in strange ways that seemed fluid and psychedelic. You could feel the energy in the room building, along with the brightness of the flames. Suddenly, the door to the theater swung open, and all went silent. Everyone was turned now to look. Vicky was shocked and confused. You, she said quietly, although she might as well screamed it with how quiet things were now. It was the old man from before, the man who'd asked them for change, the one who had shown them the way there. He stood at the door with a posture he hadn't before. His tattered clothes were the same, but he looked now as though he weren't as afflicted by age and time. He looked on to the theater of punks, to the stage, to Vicky and Mickey. This stops now, he shouted. Then he placed his hands together, touching them to the top of his forehead. As he did so, ethereal, spirit-like manifestations of himself came from his body and stood by his side. The singer released Vicky from his clutches and pointed his dagger at the man. You've interrupted me for the last time. Get him, the singer hissed. The crowd of punks ascended on the man and his spirit manifestations, chains spinning, with br- chains spinning, brass knuckles, broken bottles, moving at him from all angles. They fought him with a quickness and agility that truly shocked Vicky, dodging blows from behind, throwing punks aside effortlessly, allowing chains to wrap upon their arms as they coiled and he flung punks by the wrists backwards. Vicky snapped out of her amazement seized the moment and quickly sprang upon the singer. She elbowed him in the temple and sent him flying to the floor. The other bandmates were closing in on her. The old man, moving through the crowd, throwing punks left and right, dodging blows and ducking punches, screamed out, The fluid! Use the bottle! The bottle? Vicky cried out. The bottle! She flung her backpack to the ground and quickly unzipped it. Notebooks, the pistol, and the bottle. Without thinking, she grabbed the pistol. As she looked up, the drummer, guitar player, and bass player were all moving in on her quickly. Their faces had changed. What once were human now seemed animal in nature, contorted and snarling. They now had long tongues and glowing yellow eyes. Vicky aimed at the drummer and squeezed the trigger. She hadn't actually fired the gun before, but he was so close, and it would have been hard to miss. He flinched but didn't fall, and kept walking towards her, now with more haste than he had before. She looked down and noticed the singer stirring. He was coming too with a multi-toned guttural growl. The other bandmates were closing in, and as they did, their appearances became more monstrous and less human. They had grown in stature, and their already torn clothes were now ripping at the seams. 
The spikes in their hair became actual spikes jutting from their heads, and the animal print parts of their clothes were now part of their skin, and their eyes shone more yellow and glowing, truly a sight of terror. Vicky was frozen in fear. Mickey was on the ground, stirring now, clutching the hand that had the finger bitten off. The bandmates were moving in on her, and the singer himself was starting to mutate. As he grew in size, so did his piercings and clothing, and he too grew horns from his once spiked hair. He began to look like a giant, bull-like demon, snorting and snarling now, with massive sharp teeth that smiled as he fully awoke from his stupor. The old man's muffled shout leaped through the crowd again. Drink the bottle, Vicky! She threw her gun to the ground and reached back into her backpack, pulling the mysterious bottle from within. It shone a glowing green now, with a brightness that seemed to illuminate the entire stage as it bubbled and fizzled. It, like the flame at the door, captivated her. For a moment, she was hypnotized by the sheer vibrance of it. Again, from the crowd, the man shouted, Drink it! Vicky pulled her gaze from the bottle and came to. Without another thought, she pulled the cork from the bottle and drank it. The singer let out an intense howl. No! For Vicky, everything went white for a moment. Then she saw in front of her red symbols falling downward. Symbols that resembled the ones from the mural, falling quickly and glowing. More and more symbols fell until her entire field of vision was consumed by them. A mosaic of symbols she didn't understand started to overlap and fall on top of each other until they started to create the images of her surroundings. The symbols became wavy and blurred to create her field of vision. She could see again, only now the entire band was upon her. Vicky felt herself growing. As she looked down to her hands, each finger had grown in both length and girth. Her legs arched backwards, becoming that of a fawn-like creature, covered in hair. Her shoes burst from her feet, exposing cloven hooves, and the spikes on her head grew into an array of twisted horns. The bandmates lunged backwards in fear. Her clothes ripped and tore as her muscles grew and her entire stature expanded. She, too, had become like one of the bandmates, an animal-monster-hybrid creature. The bone sculptures on the stage were now rattling. The flames that lined the stage were now glowing a bright red again. And the wall sculptures were spinning and writhing with an even more intense ferocity. The old man in the crowd was now starting to be overtaken by the horde of punks. There were less of his spirit fighters around than before as well. He was still holding his ground, but they were starting to land a few blows and cuts from pocket knives and broken bottles. Hurry, Vicky! It won't last! Destroy the master, and they will be free! Vicky, now transformed, felt powerful. She wasn't afraid anymore, and knew what she had to do. The bass player and guitar player's instruments had transformed into weapons that still resembled their former shapes, but were now implements of battle. The guitar player swung his spiked and bone-covered axe at Vicky, but she rolled out of the way. The blow fell upon the bass player's face and clove it in two, right down the middle. It split his forehead in half as he let out a piercing cry. Green blood oozed from the wound and fizzled as it fell to the stage. Tendrils seemed to crawl from his gaping wound, and his tongue dangled from the side of his mouth. He fell to the stage, and all of the amps, bones, and the drum set rattled and banged as he did. Mickey covered her head, and was now slowly starting to crawl from the stage that had now become an arena. One down! Vicky screamed in her now multi-toned, animalistic-sounding voice. 
The guitar player pulled his axe from the face of the bass player and turned back to Vicky, snarling, eyes now glowing red. But now, the drummer was upon her. He, too, wielded an instrument that had transformed into an instrument of death. His crash cymbal was now lined along the rim with sharp, saw-like teeth. He held it high in the air and was coming down on Vicky. She caught him by the wrist before it made impact on her face. She was moments away from being cloven in two, just like the bass player. They struggled, and he leaned in. His tattoos were all brandings now, brandings of archaic symbols and diagrams. The bright green mohawk that was once on his head was now a lizard-type thin that was wet and pointed on the tips of each segment of webbing. A bright green tongue leapt from his mouth and danced on Vicky's face as they struggled. She shook her head and pulled at his arms, trying to knock the saw symbol loose. After some struggle and thrashing, she managed to roll backwards and throw him over her body, into the drum set, impaling him on the cymbal stands and spiked bones that surrounded it. Green blood also poured from his wounds as he hissed and squirmed, rattling the drums and cymbals. Vicky, now holding the bladed cymbal, looked around the stage. The guitarist was now running towards her. She pulled the cymbal back like a frisbee and flung it at him. It severed his head clean off, and a fountain of green blood shot from his neck, covering the stage in a bubbling, hissing goo. He stood for a moment axe in hand, and then fell with a crash and shook the foundation of the stage once again. Where was the singer? Vicky thought. Where was Mickey? She looked around quickly, green blood everywhere, carnage strewn across the stage, and the calamity of screaming punks fighting on the floor and at the door of the venue filled the air. Vicky's head was spinning now. Everything was happening so fast. Your blood will please the ancient ones more than hers now. The singer shouted from the floor, now holding Mickey from behind with his dagger to her throat. Vicky's eyes widened, and she moved quickly to the front of the stage to meet the eyes of the singer on the floor, standing amongst the chaos of the battle. In a roar that surprised even Vicky, she shouted, Then release her, and come claim your blood! The singer squinted and dropped Mickey to the floor. In a single bound, he leapt to the stage. Your struggle will please them, the singer said when he landed. From the side of his body, he sprouted two long, spider-like arms, each with long fingers that had many joints, wiggling and dancing in the light of the stage flames. Growing to at least double his size, the singer rushed to the wall at the side of the stage and began to climb it. Using the jutting, moving sculptures as footholds, he quickly made his way to where the ceiling and wall met. Vicky heard the old man shout again from the crowd, "'Vicky, your time is running out!' As is mine! Vicky could feel her power waning. The potion was wearing off, and already she felt the pain from her human wounds coming back to the surface. The singer knew she'd be human again soon, and like a coward, was biding his time. She knew she had to act fast, while she still maintained her supernatural strength. If he scaled the wall, why can't I? She thought. She ran to the drum set and snapped off two sharp-pointed bones, and then ran to the wall. Looking up, she could see the singer now hissing and snarling at her with those glowing eyes. The sculptures on the wall were all moving and twisting in different ways, and Vicky wasn't sure how she was going to get up to the singer. But she hadn't come this far without taking risks. She hadn't moved to this town to become complacent and give up. She wanted adventure, and this was it. This was way beyond what she had thought she was signing up for, but this was it.
Stabbing the bones into the wall and using them to secure herself, she climbed up the statues much faster than she had anticipated. The many candles on the wall flickered, and some of the sculptures seemed to tug at her as she passed, ripping out small pieces of her hair and clothes as she went. As she neared the singer, she lost her footing as one of the larger sculptures caught a patch of hair on her leg. Vicky managed to leap forward and grab one of the singer's dangling extra arms. One of the pointed bones fell on the ground, but she managed to hold on to the other one. The fingers of the hand she clutched wiggled and moved as if they had a mind of their own. He screamed out, surprised at her quickness. Ah! She held on tight, and he carried her with him to the ceiling of the theater, dangling upside down. One of my hands is but a small price for your demise, he shouted. He lifted his dagger with his other extra arm on the side from which Vicky hung. He intended to chop off the hand she was holding onto, sending her to the floor below. Vicky's strength was very much failing now. Her legs were beginning to shrink, and she could feel herself losing her grip. She had to act fast. With what extra strength she had left, she pulled herself upward and lunged towards the singer's face, grabbing onto his massive nose ring right before his stroke fell. Losing his hand, and the surprise of Vicky taking hold of his ring, caused him to drop the dagger. She now hung there, pulling at his nose ring. He squirmed furiously, swaying quickly back and forth. Let go, you vile wench! You let go, you ugly wannabe bastard, Vicky returned. Her arm that held to the nose ring was beginning to shrink. She felt her feet starting to return to normal human form. The sound of the chaos below seemed louder now. This was it. She had to do something, and fast. Vicky drove the pointed bone into the singer's eye. He screamed as green blood poured from the socket onto Vicky. More warm blood. This time, it sizzled. They fell, the singer's arms flailing and his head pulling from side to side as he dropped from the ceiling. Vicky held fast to the nose ring still and managed to pull herself atop his body. He broke her fall as they landed with an echoing thud. The wooden floor fractured and cracked in all directions. The ringing in Vicky's ears was loud, or was that the feedback from the amplifiers? She'd successfully managed to land on top of the singer and was now almost completely transformed back to her former self. Where was Mickey? Where was the old man? She thought. She laid there for a moment and then rolled from the singer to the floor, covered in green blood and completely tattered rags. She looked around to get her bearings. Was he dead? She thought as she looked at the singer lying there in a pool of fizzling green blood. Vicky slowly started to stand up. Her human form felt all the pain now. Every splinter and cracked bone. He was twitching, and his one good eye was fluttering. Suddenly it opened. It was glowing bright red now, and in his multi-toned demonic voice he started chanting in the same ancient language he had before. His eye met Vicky's. She was entranced again. His gaze compelled her to step closer. He kept chanting, and slowly she moved closer and closer. Pulling the bone that Vicky had plunged into his eye from the socket, he raised it over his head. The gaze of his eye captivated her like before. She moved closer, not able to control herself. The singer raised the bone higher into the air, and just as he planned to bring it down upon Vicky, he screamed, and the glow of his eye went out. Vicky snapped out of her trance and saw green pouring down his forehead. Mickey was behind the singer with the dagger he dropped, driving it deep into the top of his head. 
She pulled it out, and he let out an agonizing bellow. All of the flames in the theater went red now, and got even brighter. She again drove it into his skull, this time even deeper. She yelled, That's for eating my finger, you asshole! Mickey pulled the dagger out, and for a third time drove it deep into the top of his head. He stood as she pulled it out, green fizzling blood pouring from the gaping hole in his head onto the floor. Vicky stared in amazement. I wasn't going to let you have all the fun, Mickey said. Vicky smiled and cocked her head sideways. This place isn't as bad as you made it sound, but the band sucks. The singer started spewing more and more green blood from his head until his entire front and back were covered in the glowing green fizzling fluid. He was melting. Mickey and Vicky were both backing away from him as more and more blood poured from his head and onto the floor. It was dissolving his skin. Layer by layer, it melted away as he screamed louder and louder. His scream was ominous and feral and had the multi-tone texture his chants had had from before. He writhed and convulsed as layer after layer of his body melted away with his green bubbling blood. One step forward was all he was able to take before he let out one last howl and completely disintegrated into a puddle. Vicky and Mickey stood there. After everything they'd seen and been through, this didn't seem as shocking to them as it probably should have. They peered into the puddle in front of them. It glowed with the same hypnotic nature the singer's eyes had, calling to them, beckoning them. Small ripples began to appear in the pool of blood, and it began to splash and shake violently. The voice of the old man yelled from across the room at the entrance of the theater, Hey, we've got to get out of here! Mickey and Vicky shook their heads and pulled themselves from the allure of the puddle of blood. The entire building was shaking now, dust was falling from the ceiling, and one by one, the candles were all starting to go out. The sculptures on the walls weren't moving anymore, and there was a funnel crowd of punks at the entrance of the venue all scrambling to make it outside. They'd awakened from their hypnotized state and were fleeing for their lives. Leaning on each other, Vicky and Mickey started to make their way to the door. They had both been badly injured during the fight, but together had enough strength to make their way to the exit. The stage collapsed in a roaring implosion as they made it to the perimeter of the lower audience level. They ascended the short bit of stairs, and as they did so, pillars began to crash down behind them. Fixtures were falling from the ceiling, and as they looked back to the lower level, the floor itself was beginning to crack. The old man ran from the door to them. We've got to move, he said as he split into two forms of himself, each helping the two girls rush to the door. The very floor in front of them was cracking. Beams of wood were falling in front of them, and you could hear the foundation of the theater start to scream. Both the old man and his split form yelled out simultaneously, We're almost there! Go! They were running now, and the door wasn't far. Dust was rising from behind them as more beams fell, and wood cracked and split. They reached the exit. The old man and his spirit forms, both behind Vicky and Mickey now, pushing them along. Just as the last beam was falling, and the final plume of falling wood and chaos overtook the theater, Vicky and Mickey were pushed through the exit into the safety of the night. As they flew through the air towards the asphalt of the alley, from behind, they heard the voice of the old man. Thank you! He slipped and faded into the rumble and crash of the tumbling theater. Vicky and Mickey laid there for a moment, meeting each other's eyes. The alley seemed much brighter now. They were bruised and beaten, 
but they were alive. They laughed softly with each other. Then, from a little ways down the alley, huddled next to a group of punks that escaped, someone cried out, Mickey? It was the artist friend, the one from Fizzles that was sweet on Mickey. The one that Vicky bit right on the cheek. You guys, over here, help us out! He yelled back at the group of punks he had sprung from. The others came running over. Oh my god, the artist said, looking down at Mickey's bitten, bloody hand. Using his teeth, he tore off a piece of fabric from his shirt and began wrapping it around the nub on Mickey's hand. Another punk took off his shirt and handed it to Vicky. She hadn't realized how exposed she was after her transformation had tattered her clothes to complete shreds. She pulled it over her head. Plasmatics. I love their new stuff, she said as she looked down at the design on the t-shirt. Another punk draped his long, leather-studded jacket over her. Let's get the hell out of here, Vicky said, looking over at Mickey. I told you there was something weird about this place, Mickey said as she shook her head, smiling. The artist cut in. You need a hospital. Mickey rolled her eyes. Yeah, probably, she said nonchalantly. The night was clear now. No more fog, and the walk down the alley wasn't nearly as dark as it had been on their way to Seance. The light from the street actually made it down to them, at least enough to see their hands in front of them. The other punks had already started walking down the long alley to the street. Vicky looked back to the rubble of the theater. The dust was still settling, and as she listened, she thought she could hear the faint sound of amplifier feedback. Probably just her imagination. Let's go, Vicky, Mickey said. The five punks made it to the end of the alley, back into the streetlight. In the weeks that followed, Mickey's hand healed up nicely. One less digit, but she could still flip Vicky the bird when she needed to. As far as they could tell, they were the only two that fully knew what had happened. Mickey's memory of it was still a little blurry, considering the circumstances, but she remembered the key pieces of that night. All the other punks that were there just remembered scrambling out of a collapsing theater, and as time passed, even that memory became blurry and faded to them. The artist didn't know how he'd got the bite mark on his face, and Vicky never told him. There were no news articles about seance collapsing. In fact, after time passed, whenever Vicky or Mickey brought it up to anyone, they seemed to have almost forgotten about its existence completely. Some would say, Oh yeah, I think I remember hearing about that place. Didn't it burn down or something? Others would remark, I think I had a friend who used to go there. Neither Vicky or Mickey knew how to get back to the spot where Seance once stood. Neither of them really had a desire to, anyway. The mural out back of Fizzles was only a blur now. Splotchy patches of paint and fuzzy forms all smeared together. None of the symbols were there anymore, and even if you squinted your eyes really hard, you couldn't tell where one thing started and another ended. After some time, Vicky found herself in the back room of Fizzles writing her zine again. She and Mickey would talk about what happened that night often. Obviously, no one would ever believe them, and they thought it best to keep it to themselves. But now, as Vicky wrote about up-and-coming bands, house parties, art events, and shows at Fizzles, of course, she also kept a few pages free in the back of her zine. That's where she wrote her episodic tale of two women stumbling upon a strange theater in the middle of the night. Her tale of strange creatures, a whimsical old wizard and a bubbling green potion. She even recruited Mickey's new artist boyfriend to do some illustrations for it. One night, after Vicky had just about caught Fizzle's printer on fire printing her last zine, 
She went out back to the patio for a cigarette. It was late, and the air was crisp. It was starting to sprinkle. That familiar metal ting was always soothing to her. Leaning on the back wall, she closed her eyes and took a long drag from her cigarette. The muffled distant sounds of distorted guitars from the radio inside felt right. This scene was something special. This is where she belonged. This city was home, and she felt like she wasn't afraid of anything. The grit, the rawness, the realness, it all spoke to her soul. She didn't fully understand what had happened that night at Seance, but somehow it all fit into this picture of true rebellion. It was terrifying to go through, but it made her stronger. Suddenly the music poured outside as the door swung open. Mickey stepped out onto the patio, and Vicky opened her eyes. Mickey looked at her with a smirk. Did I catch you in the middle of a moment or something? She asked. Vicky exhaled smoke through her nose and replied, Just enjoying this lovely weather. What are you getting into tonight? Mickey's smirk turned into a full side-mouth grin as she lit up her own cigarette. Exhaling, she said, I was just thinking about checking out this new spot. Vicky looked at her blankly, and then they both slowly started to laugh. And that's the end of my story, and I had a blast writing it. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Like I said before, remember when you're creating that you don't have to make your magnum opus. You don't have to make anything that's perfect. Worrying about perfection can keep you from finishing anything. It can paralyze you completely from the creative process. So just keep going and know that you're going to make something else after the thing that you're working on. That's what I did with this story. I just kept writing it and I tried not to get too caught up in the details of like, is this too silly? Is this too weird? Is this like not entertaining? I just kept writing and I finished the story. So that was that was the exercise with this. I hope I hope that, like I said, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. And that's how you are going to grow and learn. You're going to grow and learn and, and you're going to develop new techniques and and you're going to um, figure out your creative process. If you just start creating, keep creating, and keep finishing things, I'm just going to keep writing. And am I going to make some absolute turds? Absolutely, yes. And <laughs> it's like that with any art form. They're fragments of this entire experience that are all woven together in this genuine, real way. And that's what you have to remember when you're creating. Be raw and real and 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 put out there what is in your mind and in your heart and what you're feeling. Everybody over on Patreon, um, infinite blessings to you for supporting this podcast, my music, my art, and everything that you do. I'm over there. If you're not a patron, I'm over there at Mount Analog. You get early access to this podcast, so early access to my music and a bunch of other cool stuff. I know at the end of the podcast, I usually do some fun facts and I ask AI some questions, but I'm going to keep those out of this episode because it ran a little longer than I thought it was going to. And I just hope you've enjoyed this time. I hope you're having a great Halloween, spooky Halloween season. Keep creating, keep moving forward, and remember to check on your mental health and remember to check on the mental health of your loved ones. I'll see you next time. Bye. Analog thoughts. Analog thoughts. Analog thoughts. Analog thoughts. Analog thoughts.